Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready to listen to the best music podcast ever? ever. Available on six platforms: Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Store, Spotify, and more. You're listening to the When Words Fail Music Speaks podcast with James Cox and Blake Mosley. Welcome everyone to When Words Fail Music Speaks. I'm your host, the professional handicap, and I know my voice sounds like Skeeter from the Muppets. And on the other end, you will hear my co-host, who is the loudest guy in the room only when he's playing the drums, the podcast internet association, and quite possibly the sexiest voice on, on over the internet, Whoa. my friend and yours, Brosley. What's going wow. on, man? Wow. It's like <laughs> there's a new compliment. Every week, and yeah, uh, yeah I feel it's it, it's getting better and longer <laughs> at the same time. So <laughs> it's uh yeah, like b- before too long, the intros are going to take up thirty minutes because of all the compliments that you have. So right, that's man. very kind of you. Well, I got to do it, do it, man. <laughs> You're on my secret weapon here, you know. Thank you, sir. Yes, Thank sir. you, sir. Yes, sir. You're totally awesome, and your Instagram <laughs> is amazing too. You're awesome. No, I'm Get not. Get out of here. Oh, no, I'm not, dude. <laughs> so awesome. I'm okay. So what's up, man? Oh, so <laughs> here's, here's how things normally go when we record these things. Um, we usually record these on my lunch break, uh, and I had a bank run that I needed to make to do a deposit for work, and due to the pandemic right now, uh, the banks are, the lobbies are closed in the banks, so we... We bank with Wells Fargo, so I knew it was going to be a drive-through setup. So I, the, but I came here last week to do a bank run, and it really wasn't that bad. But there, I'm not lying. There's probably at least fifty or sixty cars in the drive-through right now. Uh, wow, and it is for, so out of hand. Just like waiting it, for it is money. Taking me, yeah, I guess. Oh, okay. It it is taking it is taking me forever. So. Mm. Uh, I was like, dude, I am, I'm stuck. I'm sandwiched in this, this sea of cars now. So right, right. I'm in my car, but I'm in the drive-through at the bank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, but um, it's all good. Speaking of, speaking of banks, did you get your 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 stimulus check yet? No, no, we haven't. We sure I haven't, haven't either. We uh, I haven't either. We we've been talking about it, and you know, if me and Allie both combine our stimulus checks that we're going to get we can probably afford to buy a tiger yes <laughs> i want to come over and pet it i want to be the new joe exotic but i do not oh, want to go man. to jail so Duh, please um, that I, show man is just so amazing <laughs> man i found i found myself watching it again it's so funny so we haven't finished it um we are on episode i think we're about to start episode five I think that's the last um, one. Oh, is it? Okay, so we're, we're almost had, there then. Yeah, yeah, you're happy. You're, you're like uh, three, uh, four episodes away there. Oh, man. So, so I'm loving it so far. Yeah. And the funny part about it is 
I have heard of this Joe Exotic guy before, um, before the Netflix documentary ever came out. Right. Uh, there's a podcast that I listened to that would do updates about him based on his internet show. And then everything surrounded him going to jail and his feud with Carol Baskin. So I've heard about this before the, the documentary ever, ever came out, but I never looked into it at all. Right. So once it, you know, I heard everyone talk about Tiger King. Um, I was actually at church one night for band practice and one of the guys that plays guitar was like, dude, you've got to watch this, this show. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I went home and I watched the trailer and I was like, Oh, Joe exotic. Okay. I know about Joe exotic. So I told Allie about it. We went ahead and started watching it and we just could not stop. Like it was just like, I can't believe this is real. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a strange thing because um, I I I never even heard of Joe Exotic until I saw it on on Netflix. Because mm-hmm. I uh, usually you, you, uh, usually when when brand new shows come up, uh, it's yeah. on. It's a, the first thing you see it's the it's a brand new show that just released. Yeah, like, this looks interesting, so I clicked it and I saved it. But I didn't watch <laughs> yeah. it for like like a couple of days or so. Yeah, and I got on the internet, and the and the and the internet went crazy about the yeah, about the show. I'm like, I gotta see this now. This is you know, so I'm Which, I'm, I'm glad I did. Well, and yeah, it came at a good time too, when everyone's stuck at home anyway. Yeah. So yeah, so it's a uh, it's uh, a good time to be to be stuck at home and watch something as amazing as Joe Exotic. You know what's more antics. amazing than, than this documentary? What's that? I heard. Through the grapevine, take this with a grain of salt, though. Yeah. I heard that they're gonna do a do a uh, a uh, live movie version of this. Oh my gosh! And so, and yeah. and Jared Leto is thinking about playing Joey Exotic. There's like <laughs> there's like so many guys who want to play Joey Joey Exotic. Yeah. You know, but but I forget who all wants to play him. But yeah. Jerry Little would do an amazing, superb job, you know. Yes, he would. Yeah. It's uh, I've seen the fan castings for the the movie, and uh, I think the the two that I was on board with that I heard was Michael Keaton playing uh, Joe Exotic, really, and uh, Danny McBride, um, from uh, like Hot Rod and uh, was it Eastbound and Down. Uh, oh, those yeah, movies, yeah, those shows, okay, okay, movies yeah. and stuff. Yeah, so yeah, he which would be funny. He would, yeah. he, would he would play an amazing, amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah, one. So, so like <laughs> it. Um, yeah, but uh, I saw the the most glorious thing this morning. I have trouble sleeping now because I have um, you know, my I, I both of my jobs shut down, so I got nothing to yeah. do the day. So I have been uh, doing nothing but staying up all night. You know, I'm researching for this podcast and doing some other right. things. So I went into the kitchen and I saw the most glorious thing. It's like heaven shine down from above. And I saw <laughs> the last Mocha Light International Delight iced coffee carton. Oh, yeah. Carton. Nice. I'm like, oh, my God, yes, bring it here. So <laughs> I am alive and well, and we are recording this podcast today for you. Well, all I've got to sip on this time is just a, a half half a bottle of water that's room temperature now, which I'm okay with room temperature. But what I usually do is I run to the gas station. I really like gas station cappuccinos for whatever reason, because they're cheap. Yeah. Um, they're very good. They're probably horrible for me. Um, but 
they're still delicious. And I like to sip on that with, with two shots of Stoke espresso, uh, little shots in there. And, uh, that's usually what I like to drink whenever we're doing these things. So I'm without that today. Probably going to have, um, I'm probably going to be shaky later, uh, for with the withdrawals, <laughs> but it's okay. We'll make it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Okay. So today, uh, we're going to talk about punk rock. Woo. Yeah. Some good music. So mm-hmm. uh, a little bit of background information about that is, uh, Punk rock is a music genre that emerged in the mid-1970s. Rooted in 1960s garage rock, punk bands rejected the, the, the perceived excuses of mainstream 1970s singing styles. Right. Stripped down instrumentation and often political anti-established lyrics and punk embraces the do-it-yourself ethic. Um, the term punk rock was used, first used as American, by American critics in the early 1970s to describe 1960s garage bands. Yeah. So they're like, the more of a, um, you know, I, I, I want to do what you tell me to do kind yes. of music. And right. that was, that was amazing back in the 1960s, 70s, and 80s, on to the 90s. Yeah, so, and that's what I love about punk rock is it's always been going against the grain um, and, uh, you know, screw the man and uh, authority is crap, you know, and and there's a a fine line with that type of stuff. But, you know, I think for people who are fed up with certain things, and I'm not a, I'm not a political person at all. In fact, I'm apolitical. Like, I really don't give a crap about anything that happens in the world of politics. I never have. No, I don't. Yeah, um, yeah I don't either. You know, I didn't even vote in the last election. So I, I need Because I just, I, it was, I was just like, it's pointless. I don't care about either of these candidates very much. Right. I really don't complain about things anyway. Um, right. I know that if you, if you didn't vote and you still complain, then it makes no sense. Like, you, you should exercise your right. Absolutely. But. I just don't care. So I've always stayed out of that, but I could admire someone who was passionate about it. Right. And uh, with a lot of punk rock bands, their message was, we don't feel this is right. Um, And the only way that they can express themselves is creating angry, disorganized music that they're not in it to make money. No, they're in it to get their, their point across. Right. So they don't want to be mainstream. They don't want to have top 10 albums they mm, kind of like a rebellion type of right you know, yeah so and we and we've talked about uh like tempos and the way that music makes you feel uh in one of the first episodes i believe and uh you know there's there's something that makes you want to get up and just do something um whether that makes you angry or just feel like you need to get up and work out or whatever but something about that real fast um double time tempo that's in a lot of punk rock music um right. And so it's, it, but it's disorganized. The guitars sound very sloppy. Drums aren't mic'd very well. It's not meant to be pleasing to the ears. It's, it's more about the message. So that, that is something that's admirable to me for right. punk rock. And it doesn't, it doesn't work for everybody and that's fine. Not all music is, was meant to like to appeal to every single person on the planet. No. So, no, I mean, but, yeah. uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I've been a long time fan of punk music uh 
especially its early stages and to kind of see the progression and where it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still still punk bands out there. Um, right. It's totally different now because now you have subgenres of punk, which, you know, punk started out as a subgenre of heavy metal. Yes, it did. You know, yeah. and, and the jam rock, you know, and garage rock like you were talking about, you know. So you have a subgenre of a subgenre. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, which is kind of odd too at the same time. Right. But, um, okay, so the way we're going to do it today is, um, to save time, we're only going to do albums released by the original band members. Uh, yes. To save time, because most of these groups right here that we're talking about have like a plethora of of, uh, of albums that we just can't get through today. today. Sure. So at the same time, we're going to just talk about the original band members. Right. So, uh, have you ever heard of MC5? Kick out the jams! Kick out the jams, man, yeah. Um, Dude, that, that video popped up on my Facebook today. There's a, there's a punk, uh, yeah, there's a punk rock music page that I follow on Facebook. They'll share um, some music videos or live footage of bands. You know, they play a lot of Ramones and Stooges and Sex Pistols and, and bands like that. But uh, right. MC5 was actually on there today, so I'm glad that's the first one that Popped yeah. up. A lot of these punk bands draw heavy influence from MC5. Well, see, I don't know much about MC5, but I do know that they formed in 1964, and I yeah. and that's the earliest um, band that I could find that yeah. a, that actually w- was a punk band that, that formed in 1964. Right. Um, their lead singer was Wayne Kramer. Uh, their bassist was Fred Sonic Smith. That's a that's cool that's a cool nickname I think. Sonic, yeah. Sonic. Um, and the drummer was Dennis Tom- Thompson, mm-hmm. and they released three albums. Um, mm-hmm. Now they 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 just released three albums. I think they didn't have any more. Right. So Kick Out the Jams was like, was in 1969. Right. Um, about what, five or six years after they formed. Um, uh, back in the USA, which is 1970. Mm-hmm. And High Time, which is 1971. Yes. I think they got... So, Kick Out the Jams, that was that was the album that sparked a lot of these younger kids. And, and if you go watch the... I don't know if they officially had music videos back then, but it, it is a music video of uh, of them playing. It's very psychedelic. Like, it's it looks like yeah. it's... If you didn't have the music playing, you would think it was, you know, like the Mamas and the Papas or something. One of those... Hippie bands from the '60s, late '60s, early '70s. Uh, you know, some of the guys have afros. So it, 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 right. it, this was before punk was what we knew it, where it was about attitude and spiky hair and nose rings and uh, and, and all that stuff. It, it was, it was still very psychedelic. Pretty cool. Right. Yeah. That's like, and, and just like we said, that's that, that's what punk was. You know, dirty and in your face kind of. You know, yeah. formation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how about the next band? Yeah, man, Iggy Pop and the Stooges. Iggy Pop. Uh, yeah, man. So there was a uh, there's a podcast, uh, a music podcast that I encourage everyone to go listen to called No Dogs in Space. Um, it's it's put out by uh, it's put out by the Last Podcast Network, um, and they did a three or four part series on the history of Iggy Pop and the Stooges. Wow. And uh, it was it's really interesting because they were they were all very young when they got started. 
Mm-hmm. They got into drugs very early. Um, <laughs> and it's right. so it's so funny. Iggy Pop had the that true punk rock mentality, man. Uh, very anti-authority and, and wanted the music to sound as raw and gross as possible. Yeah, right. So when they would go to the studios um, after they started getting some recognition and would record some of the music... You know, the, the record label would want it to sound polished and, and better, and he would intentionally make it to where it sounded like crap. Because <laughs> he just didn't want it to, he, he was like, that's not what we're about. Well, yeah. So uh, it, it's it's pretty great. And I love that he, uh, that Iggy Pop and the Stooges played at Bam Margera's wedding. Did they? That was the wedding band for Bam Margera's wedding. Yes. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yep. I figured, um, a band would have a band like Gore, the best truck rock, yeah. you know, because 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 I saw um, Bam Margera put on a uh, put on a, like a concert thing, and they you know they took it you know state to state, and one of the bands that I saw with Bam Margera was Gore, you know. Yeah. I saw I, I saw April, his mom. I saw his uncle. I saw his dad, but I, but but Bam didn't didn't show up there so i was kind of yeah. disappointed but you know you get yeah. what you get so that's right yeah okay so uh the studios uh formed in 1967 and mm-hmm. they consisted of iggy pop which is the which is the main vocals and you got scott ashton which is on drums and ryan ashton which is on guitar i guess their brothers uh-huh. their yeah. brothers formed mm-hmm. formed this band and dave alexander on the bass mm-hmm. Uh, they released five albums, but only three albums had the original band members. Right. And those albums are The Stooges, mm-hmm. which was released in 1969. Right. Uh, Funhouse, 1970, and Raw Power, which yeah. is in 1973. So, while I was listening to that podcast... Um... I was getting ready one morning. Allie comes in while I was getting ready and they were talking about, uh, the Stooges and then, um, a song called lust for life. And they started playing a clip of the song and Allie was like, I've heard that song before. I was like, yeah, it was used in like a thousand commercials. But right. No one knew who the Stooges were. Right. So, um, I know with the last episode, you included some music, clips in there so if you can play a clip of lust for life while i'm talking about it then, okay yeah, well, yeah you know yeah. like like people would automatically recognize and be like yeah i think it was like on a carnival uh cruise line commercial or something oh, I'm sure like it was. that yeah, yeah. But they were where, yeah. so uh, people are more familiar with the stooges than they remember so right yeah because <laughs> when you when you say the stooges people are like who was that i'm like yeah Iggy Pop, like, oh okay you know yeah, come back whenever right. you mention his name just Not Curly, name, Larry, and Moe. Right, yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah, so, okay. Um, New York Dolls. Have you heard of this, this, this group before? I have. They were, they were also very influential for a lot of other punk bands. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, there was a member of the New York Dolls uh, that was in Guns N' Roses. I'd have to look that back up. But something... There's a big tie-in with the New York Dolls and Guns N' Roses. I'm not quite sure what it is, but I'll have to look into that and save it for next time. I don't see the name on here yet, but uh, we may look that up, and next time we'll uh, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll bring that back up. 
Um, but they were performed in 1971. Uh, and we uh, here, okay, so this this podcast, we're going to do fun facts. Because there's a lot cool. of fun facts about punk bands. Mm-hmm. I know you've heard of the heavy metal band Wasp. Yes. Okay, so Wasp is, a, of course, a metal band. Uh, and their lead singer is Blackie Lawless. Wow. And he, I, I didn't know this, but he was a part of the New York Dolls back in 1975 either. as the guitarist. That's so cool. I had no idea. I I, I had no idea, you know? Yeah. Because who would have thought that, uh, that a guitarist playing punk would would, transform, would transcend into heavy metal music? Right. And it's because one of the one of the best underground metal bands ever because you rarely don't have anyone talk about Wasp. Right. Uh, but but all of this is great. Um, the New York Dolls band consisted of David Johansson, which is on the vocals. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his next name. Sylvian Sylvian, right? I think so, yeah. Okay. He was a guitarist. Johnny mm-hmm. Thunders, which was the other guitarist. Mm-hmm. Arthur Kane as the bassist. And Billy Merica, which is on the drums. Mar- Marcia? Uh, something like that. Yeah. And they released five albums, but two albums had original band members. And those two albums was New York Dolls, First album, 1973, and Too Much, Too Soon, 1974. Mm-hmm. And then I think the uh, the lead singer went on his own and did um, other other stuff. So the next band is 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 a, a band that everybody knows or you should know, um, but I don't think the newer generation knows anything about them. Probably not. Um, nope. I, I, I guarantee you not. You know, because if they yeah. listen to Devo, they're not going to know who Devo is. Yeah. Devo is a... Devo, man. Every time I saw them on TV, they've always had three band members. Yeah. So when you start out, they had uh, five... Yeah, five members, which is kind of odd. Yeah. You know, but uh, they formed in 1972. Uh, their lineup consisted of Bob Motherbow Jr., bassist, mm-hmm. I mean the vocalist, Bob Kessel, which is a keyboardist, Mark Motherbow, which is a brother of the vocal, he also did the vocals. It's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. And um, Gerald Kessel, bassist. And Alan Myers, drummer. Mm-hmm. So you have two sets of brothers in one right. band. Okay. So, amazingly, uh, this band released nine albums, but only six albums had original band members. Yeah. Uh, and their uh, catalog consisted of this. Q, we are not men. Answer, we are Devo. <laughs> Which is awesome title, right? Yeah. We are not men, but we are a devil. Came in in 1978. Duty Now for the Future, 1979. Freedom of Choice, 1980. Best year because I was born in 1980. Hey. Hey. Uh, New Traditionalist, 81. Oh No is Devo in 1982 and Shout, which is 1984. And everyone knows Devo at some point. Uh, because 
you know the song Whip It. Whip It. Whip It Good. Yep. Yeah. Whip It um, Good. Man, that was everywhere, too. Um, there was a time back in the 80s where you didn't hear that, hear that song. Right. And the video is so weird because they're wearing, like, the red cone-looking things on their heads. They and still they all do. look the same. They still yeah, do. they still do, man. Yeah, they're still touring. They're still at it. Right. But not with the or- or- original um, members like I just listed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a that's a really really uh, good band, and everybody should at least hear one of their albums before you die. Yes, absolutely. So, I know this is one of your favorite favorite bands of all time, so yes. I'm gonna let you run through this real fast. Yes, so yes. the Ramones, one of the greatest punk bands that ever came out of the scene, influential to so many bands. Um, definitely one of my favorite bands that's ever been. Uh, the Ramones has always had a special place in my heart. Yes, uh, one of the things that I really liked about the Ramones was you could tell they drew a lot of influence from bands like the Beach Boys. Um, they're, they were very, very tied up in that um, rock and roll from the 50s. So a lot of Beach Boys type sound. And, uh, and it just kind of carried over into this punk genre that I, I guess people didn't realize. If you do side-by-side comparisons of a lot of their songs, they're very similar. Right. Um, but it was, you know, again, it's all about attitude. They come out there, they've all got the same haircut, um, wearing their uh, their black leather jackets and uh, and their, their sunglasses. And it's, uh, I think they, this is, I've noticed a trend with a lot of punk bands where, Whatever the name of the band is, the the names of the members would be their first name and then whatever the band name is. So the Ramones, Joey Ramone, Dee Dee Ramone, you know, things like that. So mm-hmm. uh, pretty, pretty cool. I love that band so very much. And a fun fact, um, they're often cited as the first true punk rock uh, group, um, which would be another reason why they're such a huge influence. Another fun fact about them, uh, the Ramones were not brothers, even though, like I just said, they all had the last name. I could swear uh, they, they were all brothers. Right. Uh, they, uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the four of them were all high school friends who, you know, just formed this band and they, uh, they weren't even related, but they, they did the last name thing, um, as a nod to a pseudonym used to protect the privacy of their hero, the Beatles megastar Paul McCartney. Mm. Um, and another fun fact, uh, Blitzkrieg Bop, which a lot of people, if you don't know any more Ramon songs, you know Blitzkrieg Bop. It's been covered by numerous people. Um, in fact, um, my band, uh, Fallen Statues, we've played Blitzkrieg Bop twice uh, at uh, when we've played the Iris Festival here in town. We always mix it in with another song just because the chord progression fits with a lot of things. And a lot of people that learn how to play guitar blitz creek bop is one of the first songs you learn how to play it's easy it's you know it's fun to play and it's uh appealing but blitz creek bop was the first song off their first album and tommy remote uh remote tommy <laughs> ramone <laughs> it's wrote right. the song and that's their drummer tommy ramone was the was the original drummer for the ramones um but joey ramone um very influential singer very distinctive voice i've always cared loved bands like that if they had a voice that just stood out um, I was automatically drawn to them. Joey Ramone on the vocals, Johnny Ramone on guitar, Tommy, uh, we just mentioned on the drums, and Dee Dee Ramone on the bass. Uh, they put out 
some really great albums, um, more than I could ever count. The ones that are I, I feel are some of the best uh, would be the Ramones, the first one, self-titled, uh, came out in 1976. Leave Home, 1977. Rocket to Russia in 1977 as well. Um, but go listen to a, another great Ramones album to go check out would be uh, Pet Cemetery or the album that has Pet Ooh, Cemetery on it. Yes. The name escapes me, but yeah, uh, such a great song. The album with uh, Bonzo Goes to Pittsburgh, which was featured in School of Rock. Um, that's the first time I ever heard that song. And kind of, that was my introduction to the Ramones uh, was Bonzo Goes to Pittsburgh. And uh, it's, it's just it's fun. They're a lot. They're a fun band to listen to. They weren't very political. They weren't very outspoken. And like they didn't you know, they didn't cuss in their songs and stuff like that. Uh you know, so it, it wasn't, they were so influential to a lot of punk bands, but they weren't quite what you would think of when you say a punk band. They were just, they just wrote fast, aggressive music, but it was kind of heavy and it kind of sounded like the Beach Boys. And uh, they were just fun, man. It was oh, yeah. a fun, fun band. Yeah. And here's another um, fact, but it's not, uh, but it's not a fun fact. It's all of those, um, the, the whole band are um, died. <laughs> Um, previously, except for one member, and that's Marky Ramone. Yeah, and Marky does, Ramone is still alive, and he does stuff with the Misfits, I believe, right? Yeah, he, he does a so lot of he was the, the he was the last drummer for the Ramones. Yeah, Marky was, right. um, and has been a longtime friend of Misfits, another one of my favorite bands. Right. Um, we'll get to them, but uh, yeah, he's filled in on drums for the Misfits before with you know some touring and albums and things like that. It's pretty cool. So, the next band that we're going to talk about, it came out in 1974. A lot of bands come out in the 1970s. It's amazing. Yeah, it was the, that was the time, man. Oh, yeah. Um, Blondie. I've known, mm-hmm. I, 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 I know you've heard of Blondie before. Everybody has. Definitely. I mean, David Harry, man, she was, she looked good back then, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm not sure what she looks like now, because I, I, I'm still playing for you. Pictures she's over. aged. <laughs> she, she's aged. Okay. She's aged. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that helped me a lot. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so you got David Harry on the vocals, amazing singer, um, fantastic mm-hmm. voice of all time, one yeah. of the best punk rock singers ever made. You know, ever. Yes. Came out in the seventies. Got Chris Pine, yeah. which is the guitarist. Clem Burke, mm-hmm. which is the drummer, and Gary Valentine, which is the bassist. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they released uh, eleven albums. Um, that's a lot for the born punk band. Yeah, uh, but one album had the original band members, like I just listed, and that album yeah. was a self-titled Blondie, which came out in nineteen seventy-six. Yes. So I know Blondie. Um, Blondie kind of transcended punk into what it is th- today. Um, yeah. They were very influential with with the punk movement and also with the new wave movement. Right. Um, You know, new wave kind of stemmed from punk as well, but more so in the '80s. But Heart of Glass was a big influencer. Was was a huge influence for the new wave movement. Right. A lot of bands based their sound off of that one song. You can always draw. You can tell influences. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that this band was the first band to have a. Um, a, a, a female singer, right? Definitely for the one, yeah, one definitely the, for the rock genre. One of it's, the first. Uh, yeah, 
yeah, De- uh, Blondie was a huge uh, influencer for female-led bands. Um, yeah, like Pat so, Benatar and, and right. all them other bands you see now. You know, that's right. So I don't think uh, I don't think the 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 female front of the vocals would be you know anything without Blondie. Yeah, and, and, absolutely. And especially David Harry because David Harry. Uh, like I said, transcended that, that, that movement, you know, for, yeah. for women to get out and in the forefront, forefront and, uh, and, uh, and, and sing. Right. So, um, okay. So my favorite band and your favorite band is up next. Yeah, man. And this is a big subject to talk about. Yes. Big time. Do you want to take it or do you want me to take it? Um, I'm gonna let you take it because I'm actually next in line in the drive-through, okay. so I don't want to get interrupted. I'll just insert where I can. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Good. All oh, right. Yeah. Because you're oh, okay. Well, hopefully you'll get whatever you need to add to bank. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, um, the Misfits. Oh my God! Woo! This band transcended everything, right? So they formed in 1977. Our first fun fact: there's three of them. Our first fun fact is, they first formed in February 1977, but not as a full band as they, as they, they had no guitarist until October yeah. 1977. Yeah. Second fun fact is, all of the recordings from their first album, Static Age, mm-hmm. uh, especially recorded in February 1978, a year after they they, they formed, um, it was recorded at Mercury Records. Uh, yeah, that's a recording studio in New New York City. Uh, Coma, which was the left uh, the the guitarist. Yeah, thank you. It's like yeah. mine. So Coma, the guitarist, uh, left in the fall of 1978 and went to play. For the band called Active Agreements with his longtime mm-hmm. friend Ashley uh, Morant. And I've never heard of that band. I, I wasn't familiar with them. I, I don't think they got a they, they had a lift off much as the Misfits did. Sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, oddly enough, that uh, that uh, Coma left the band because look where you are now, you know. Right. Uh, big mistake. Big mistake. So their third fun fact is in 1998, probably one of the best years of the decade, right? Yeah. Mike Hideous was hired as a fill-in vocalist for the Misfits when Michael Graves took an indefinite hiatus because he didn't want to go on tour outside the United States. Yeah. Mike Hideous is a, uh, I think if they didn't, if, if Michael Graves never came back after they came yeah. back from the tour, Mike Hideous would have been the perfect, perfect vocalist. I don't know I if you, I don't know if you yeah. saw him, but you gotta look him up on YouTube. He's, he's amazing. Yeah. So I remember for a brief moment, Mike Hideous uh, singing for them, and uh, he stood out because he, you know, he looked more, he looked more like he should have been playing in Cradle of Filth. Or something, right. you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, he had like dreadlocks, I think, and uh, I think he, he had he, white in contact he, eyes or something. Yeah, he yeah. looked way more gothy than right. he did horror punk, which was always what the Misfits were about. Right. Um, 
you know, they were, they're grouped into the, one of the, you know, pioneers of punk music, mm. but they sparked a movement in a genre that is still alive and thriving today, which is horror punk. Right. And, uh, you know, they're all like, they drew a lot of heavy influence from like fifties, like 1950s, uh, horror movies, mm. uh, Frankenstein, Wolfman, Dracula, zombies, every, you know, that was the themes of all their songs. And, uh, their, their theme skull, which is so widely recognized in everything. If you've ever even been to a hot topic, you've probably seen the theme skull. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like a thousand times in there. But, you know, it, it's, it's, um, it's based off of a movie called The Crimson Ghost that was released in the 50s. It was a horror movie. And uh, that's exactly what he looked like um, with right. that, with the with the hood. Um, do you know where they got their name from? No, sir. Okay, here's another fun fact for you. No. So the Misfits name comes from it. It that is the name of the last movie that Marilyn Monroe did before she died. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they they loved Marilyn Monroe. Right. Um, and they had. Uh, they had a song about her called "Who Killed Marilyn." It's pretty good. Yes, yes, they did. Um, yes, they it's did. a great, it's a great song. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's a. Uh, it, I love the themes that they always had with their music. It was, you know, it's just it's fun, um, and sparked this wave of music that, you know, like uh, bands like AFI and Alkaline Trio and mm-hmm. Calibres and all these great bands. Oh, I'm actually next in line, so okay. you, you take it from here. Okay, so. Uh, like I said before, they they started out, w- out with a trio, uh, as they did not have the guitarist, and so that lineup consisted of Glenn Danzig, which is the lead, lead vocals, and he played on the electric piano back in the day, and you got Jerry Oli, which is the bassist and the backing vocalist, and you got the first ever drummer, which is Manny Martinez. Yes. Now, when they formed a whole new whole the whole band. Uh, they, it consisted of Glenn Danzig, which is the vocalist, uh, mm-hmm. Fran- Fr- Coma, which is the original guitarist, Jerry Only, which is, uh, of course, the, the, the bassist, and Mr. Jim as the drummer. Uh, yeah, they, he went by, he went by Robo, too, Robo. Uh, which was his okay. old nickname, mm-hmm. yeah, cause but I, he was not an American citizen. Okay, well, that's what we do, that, that's another project. <laughs> That totally blew my mind just now. Yeah, he was not American, not an American citizen. So, mm. <laughs> wow, that's kind of weird. But I mean, he was a great drummer. But yeah, yeah. his his name was Mr. Jam, also known as Robo. Uh, I I knew of Robo, but I didn't know his his other name that he went by. Uh, so, uh, they released seven albums, but only one album had the, had the original band members. And that album was Static Age. And the funny yes. fact was, however, it was recorded in 1977, but the album never came out until 1996 in the box set. Yeah. For some odd reason. Um, yeah. Hey, oh, I, I actually looked that up. Robo was their second drummer. Forgive me. <laughs> second drummer. Okay. Yeah, Robo. Sorry, Sorry. about that. Right. Mr. Jim so was different. Mr. Jim was, well, yeah. Well, the was first definitely one. an American citizen. Yes, <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely. Okay, so um, a little thing about uh, Static Age, the first album, was well on tour in Canada that October. Guitarist from Fr- Fr- Frenchy Coma 
abruptly quit the band, uh, followed by the drummer, Mr. Jim, as before concluded. Yeah. Uh, with the band's future far from certain, Static Age, the first album, was uh, shelved indefinitely. Mm-hmm. And it didn't even come out a few years later. But, yeah. But um, Static Age had one of the best songs ever made. And that was Last Caress. Oh, yeah. Such a huge, huge song. It's been covered like a thousand times Multiple, by a bunch of bands yeah, that, right. you know, that it, it's... Everyone loves it, man. Right. Everyone loves that song. But um, uh, more importantly, I don't think that song would hold up today in court. Because, definitely not. No, uh, it's not. It's not. I'm not going to tell you what he says, but, uh, but just uh, let's do it. It's a fantastic song. Uh, take that song with a grain of salt, too. They don't really, please. You know, please, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it has very vulgar languages. But it's, like yeah. you said, everybody loves Misfits. I love yeah. Misfits. You love the... Metallica even covered their, their songs hundreds of times. Yeah. And there's been other countless, countless bands that covered their, their, their songs. And yeah, they just, and, and they just, uh, uh, reunited with Glenn Danzig, which has been gone for, the band for years and years and years. Yeah. So that's great that they did that. Yeah. So now they've, you know, their, their current lineup, whenever they tour and they do stuff is, you know, Jerry Only, who was in the original, band um bassist his brother yeah his playing bass doyle playing guitar mm-hmm. um his brother who had a very decent solo career which danzig did too danzig had a, a phenomenal solo career oh, yeah, after he left yeah. misfits right um and he formed his own band uh Sawin after he left misfits too um but excuse me before he went solo right. so it's uh but so many uh i all right, I'm all right. So, would you say that you prefer the Danzig era or the Michael Graves era? Totally, hundred percent, Michael Graves. I would too. I think that he's a much better singer. He had more yeah. um, uh, energy. Yeah. Because I looked at, at uh, I, I I I recently looked at one of his YouTube videos, uh, and um, you know, with the that with the um, uh, Graves era. And he has so much energy, he could not stand still. No. Ever. Yeah. He's a great showman. Right. Um, a great front man. He was born for that. Um, but, you know, when he joined, he really wasn't familiar with a lot of Misfit songs. No, not at all. That, he, that's, that's why he hired him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He had to go buy the collections and listen to the, you know, <laughs> a lot of the songs and kind of learn them. And, right. Um, I he still, wasn't as familiar with them. I still think crazy. that they, the first... CD that he ever did with American Psycho. I still think that is the best Mr. record out there. Yeah, it's a banger, man. Uh, it, it, front to back, so good. A lot of people like uh, um, Famous Monsters, but I wholeheartedly disagree. Yeah. That is one of the very few albums where I can listen to it uh, front to back, back to forwards, over and over and over again. That is such a great yeah. record. So, yeah, some some dig up her bones is, is one of my favorite songs ever written. Right, um, it's my PlayStation username. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and uh, it's just that song has always been really, really great and special to me. I really like it. I always liked the theme of it. I just thought it was mm-hmm. interesting, you know. And uh, but it's the music video for that one is great. Um, that was you know 
when they started doing music videos was back in the the Graves era. Thunder, There's yeah. like one music video from the Danzig era, and it's for uh, Brain Eaters. Brain and, Eaters, great song too. Yeah, but the song, you know, the song's only like a minute long, if that. Right. Um, and all they're doing is just, just sitting around a table, eating what appears to be brains. Brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Brain Eaters. Yeah. Um, another and, and another great song that he did. Um, is released in the Famous Monsters, I think, is a song called Saturday Night. Yeah, Saturday Night's a great song. And I didn't know this, but there's 52 ways to murder anyone. Yeah, one and, and two are the same, and, and they two, both work as well. Right. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> and, I have a co- I, and I have a cousin named Amy, so I better, you know, tell her to look out because she's coming for her. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you don't know what we're talking about, go check out the song. It's great, too. Yeah, and that's the only song yep. that I like off of the uh, Finish the Monsters. Um, yeah, CD. Yeah, man. So, um, um, I also, uh, fun fact, another fun fact. Okay. Um, there was a book that I read called um, Rock Stars. Thank you, appreciate it. Sorry, right. there. Uh, they had a song, or excuse me, a book came out called Rock Stars on God. They mm-hmm. asked. Um, Jerry only, you know, what his opinion was of church and, you know, where he stood with his faith and everything. And, um, he said that, you know, he's, he was a, he was a, um, sorry, back in there. Okay. Wow. I have, I have been in line at the bank for an hour. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So I am just now leaving the bank anyway. Um, so this book called rock stars on God, they interviewed all these different bands or whatever. It's a little dated. It's from like the late nineties, early two thousands or whatever, but they interviewed Jerry only. And they're like, where do you stand with your faith? And he's like, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. You know, I believe, uh, that Jesus saved me. Um, and, uh, if I wasn't in the misfits and this wasn't my job, I would be back at my home in New Jersey playing piano at my home church. Oh, nice. Right. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? This band that is very, you know, they were very influential with the shock rock genre as well. Um, you know, with the themes and they always, you know, they wore their makeup and they had their hair done mm-hmm. and, and it's jet black and skulls everywhere and songs about zombies and vampires or whatever. Right. Um, that a member of that band would be a Christian. It's it's pretty crazy, and Michael Graves is as well. You know, I follow his Instagram, and during this whole pandemic with the coronavirus going on, he's posting Bible verses daily. Really, you know, it's pretty gotta, it's pretty it's pretty crazy, man. I yeah. gotta check that out. That's that's yeah, really, and even yeah. some of the some of their music, like Dig Up Her Bones. There's you know there's talks of like heaven, and there you know, and and some of their themes are centered around biblical themes it's it's pretty it's pretty pretty crazy but i I love that man so much i could go on for hours we could do a whole freaking episode on the misfits like if you get me started we can do that (laughs) after another episode for later time and day but um what what we can do with this since so after danzig left the misfits and uh was gone and was doing his own thing the misfits kind of laid was laid to rest for a while. Um, Doyle and Jerry only actually tried to make a heavy metal hair band um, in the eighties called Christ the Conqueror. Um, and did you know about that? 
No, sir. Yeah, so, yeah, Jerry Only and Doyle was in a Christian metal band called Christ the Conqueror. They don't have a lot of music. You can go on YouTube and find maybe 10 songs or whatever from one album that they never got around to releasing. I got to check it out uh, now. (laughs) Yeah, check it out, man. It's pretty pretty crazy. So, and one of the songs that they have was, if you're familiar with the Famous Monsters album, which I know you are, Right. But the opening track is called Kong at the Gates, and it's just an yes. instrumental like yes, that's intro a great, yeah. to the album. Right. That was a Christ the Conqueror song. It was the same thing. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, that huh. is pretty pretty, pretty awesome. Pretty cool. Yeah, man. But, you know, so the 90s, in the 80s, punk kind of fell off the map. It wasn't as popular because hair metal took over. Um and that was, as far as rock was concerned, hair metal was the thing in the 80s, pretty much throughout the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Something happened in the 90s where, uh, or late 80s, early 90s, when Guns N' Roses came onto the scene um, and kind of flipped the switch. And it wasn't, they weren't, they were kind of dirty and more aggressive. And it led to grunge. And Nirvana. grunge drew a, Nirvana, you know, bands like Nirvana was out. And, uh, and, the Melvins and bands like that took all, a lot of influence from these punk bands and I would say of all the grunge bands that was around at that time Nirvana was definitely the most punk rock of any of them They're, a lot of their songs are more upbeat in that uh, not in double time but faster timing right and uh, especially think, especially the first album um, called um, Bleach I think yeah Bleach was very fast because I was thought, like a punk album Right, yeah, because I thought that Nirvana was their first album, but it was their third album. Right, yeah, so, Bleach was Nirvana's first album, and it was very different from the rest of their songs. Very different, yes, sir, yeah. Um, but great, great, I think great with, album. The, with bands like Nirvana, it's it kind of re-sparked this interest in punk music. So you had another wave of punk rock that came in the 90s that started with bands like Green Day. And say what you want about Green Day, they did a lot for punk rock and keeping it alive. Yes, they did. Um, you know, Dookie was an amazing album that just sparked everyone's interest in punk rock again. That's another, that, that's another record. I, I can listen to back and forth, forward to back and not get yeah. bored. Yeah. Dookie is, is a masterpiece. Yes. Um, and those guys still have it. I want to go see Green Green Day is doing a tour next year, hopefully, if everything works out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's, yeah. With, it's uh, Green Day, uh, Weezer, and Fall Out Boy. And oh, I would wow. Love to, yeah, I would love to go see them because Green Day's new music is not bad. It's not like what it used to be, but it's not terrible. Right. And I, I, I think that Green Day influenced bands like Blink-182. Blink-182 comes on the scene, and they're, they, you know, they classify themselves as crappy punk rock, um, and they're putting out some pretty great albums with their original drummer, um, Scott Reiner, who uh, played for them before Travis Barker ever came along. Scott Reiner was definitely more of a double-time, fast drummer, and when Travis Barker came on, he did a lot of things in halftime, but it, he could still play really fast, and... Right. Um, but you know they were they were still very influential with skate punk that was big in the 90s um and then enema of the state comes out with blink 182 and it blows up for pop punk right now you've got punk bands that are on the radio which is very very rare very rare yeah green day was one of the first ones to do that but you know blink 182 just exploded so it got this thing and people interested in pop punk 
Then you have bands like Sum 41, Newfound Glory, um, all these other guys. Right, yeah, these are great pop punk bands from the early 2000s, late 90s, um, that have now influenced another wave because, it, it, you know, punk kind of died back out for a minute there. You still had horror punk bands like Alkaline Trio and AFI before Miss Murder was big. AFI was a horror punk band. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and then they were there was political punk bands like No Effects and um, MXPX and uh, you even had Christian punk like uh, like uh, Reliant K and MXPX fell in that category as well but uh, and Hawk Nelson and bands like that but they're all stemmed from this pop punk uh, era that exploded and then it kind of fell back off for a minute there too but in like 2010, I don't know what it was, but pop punk made a comeback, but it was like mixed with a lot of e- a lot of emo themes, and it was a little bit heavier. I think A Day to Remember did a lot for that, because um, they were a pop punk, punk band, but they were also a hardcore band, so they did this weird fusion of the two, and that influenced a lot of bands, so it's just, everyone's just influencing so many people. Um, but now you've got some great bands that have been around uh, that were in this new wave of pop punk, like The Story So Far, Neck Deep, The Wonder Years. Uh, all these bands are just so, so good. And it's it's nice to see a breath of fresh air in that, where they go back into the double time. Four Years Strong, they're another great one. Um, we've talked about them on the show before. Um, but what I'm noticing, what's happening with a lot of those bands is they're starting to slow down a little bit. They're starting to get more emo with it, if you will. Uh, And they start to sound, they're starting to sound a lot more like REM or bands from the late nineties or early nineties that were more of like alternative type thing. They're slowing down. They're not as aggressive, which is cool. Uh, I, I prefer the double time stuff, but you know, you, then you've still got hardcore punk bands that's like very, very underground and no one's heard of them. Um, but it's, it, it, you know, bands like Jesus Peace and uh, um, different ones like uh, Strung Out, Stick Your Guns, stuff like that. It's it's way more aggressive. They're more they scream more. They draw more influence from like the metal thrash side of it. Uh, but then it's it's just great, man. It's just, everything about the whole genre. Uh, I love it. Whether it's true punk music like Sex Pistols and Ramones, uh, or if it's horror punk like the Misfits and Calibrees, they're a great band. Um, or it's pop punk, Blink-182, Story So Far. It, everything about this genre and every sub- subgenre that came from it is just phenomenal. Great, and I can't yeah. get enough of it. I absolutely love it. It's a lot of good, 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 uh, great music that punk uh, that the genre of punk did in the past and future, yeah, past, present, I'm excited and future. To see where it's going to go. It, it's you think they've done everything they can do, and then another band comes on the scene, and you're like, "This is amazing!" And just I've never heard, the whole, I've never heard the, this. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Change the whole thing because, uh, um, like you said, back in the '80s, it was all hair bands and stuff, right? But as soon as Nirvana came out, oh my god, did it just transcend a whole new genre, which is yeah. grunge, yeah. Um, yeah, so like you said, um, yeah, we're just waiting for for that new new band to come new out sound, and do man. something. Yeah, totally. I'm different. looking forward to it. it yeah. it's, you know, and I think a lot of a lot of what helped people to like 
fall in love with punk again was was video games like Tony Hawk Pro Skater games. Yeah. Um, it just it just started this revival because then you had oh we didn't even talk about ska so ska is another you know uh, subgenre that came from punk where they are using a lot of uh, like they're playing guitars but they're not as distorted. And they're still doing well, that, you know, type of thing on guitar. And then you got a horn section, which is just fun, you know. Mighty yeah, Mighty Boss. Yeah, because I was going to, I was going to ask you, but yeah, yeah, because yeah, I was going to ask you if they use the brass, brass instruments for yeah, music. Yeah, so you got a whole horn section. Yeah. You got somebody playing trumpets, or you know, they're playing saxophones or trombones or whatever, yeah. uh, on top of really fast tempos and electric guitars mm-hmm. and. Less Than Jake is a great ska band. Mighty Mighty Boston, Streetlight Manifesto, Real Big Fish. Those are great bands to go check out. If you And it just makes you happy. Those types of, I love aggressive music. I love yeah. music, but I also love ska because it just puts you in a good mood. I think that that's, uh, if, uh, if Punk had a little kid, it would be ska because ska is like the, the exact same thing as right. punk. But it, it, it's more of like an upbeat yeah. thing, you know? So, it's fun, yeah. man. Yeah. So, that has been episode eight Woo! of our glorious podcast. Um, I never thought I would get this far. Still doing uh, it. So, still yeah. doing it. And we still got a lot more stuff to cover. Oh, yeah. So, if you want to be a part of this podcast, uh, please email us at podcast at uh, gmail.com. And you can find us on Facebook on WWF uh, MS Podcast on Facebook. Yep. So please let us know what you think about it and give us a five-star rating and give us a review so we'll know how to better entertain you and then tell us how we are doing in this Please and thank you. Or on this episode, yes. So I have been James Cox, and that's probably the sexiest voice of life. Hello. And... <laughs> and we will see you next time. See ya. Bye, y'all. You've been listening to the Windwards Fail Music Podcast. Podcast. Stay tuned for more. Stay tuned and for thank more. Thank you for listening. And thank you for listening.